week's episode of the top five report the podcast that would like techno if we had robot ears my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here you know it's weird to make that joke because i don't have a problem listening to techno music um Um, well hey man uh here we are um next episode on the on the list um you uh, your quarantine going okay? Yeah, it's been going pretty good. It's um, it's just the same <laughs> same as last week, really. Just like I know it's like, boring, but it's uh, I've been productive, which is good. So we're uh, starting to <laughs> we are starting to um, it's starting to become Groundhog Day if you think about it. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, it's that's the thing. I haven't. I haven't. I've been listening to these podcasts, and every now and then someone talks about how, like, they wanted to, they really wanted to get, like, a routine of, like, I'm going to be productive, I'm going to work out, I'm going to get some writing done, I'm going to, you know, read this book I wanted to read, and then everyone's like, no, I'm just sitting around watching Netflix and eating snacks. Um, yeah, see, well, that was the first, like, week and a half for me, I was just doing, like, nothing, I was just watching TV, and I was actually in such a bad mood from it all, like, I didn't really have the will to do a lot of stuff, but, like, lately I actually have been doing, like, a ton of drawing and stuff, and it's kind of, uh, I'm getting back into the mode where I'm addicted to making art, which is pretty fun, um, I've kind of got a new comic project I'm working on, but it's, like, it's in its infancy right now, so I can't say too much at this point, but... Are you writing, are you writing, too, or are you just drawing? Yeah, writing and drawing. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where I know they say not to say too much about what you're working on because you'll get the satisfaction of people, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool or that's a good idea. And then you'll never finish it sort of thing. And that's kind of what I'm trying to avoid this time. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> right. So I, you? so I quarantine? <laughs> fine. I take it you haven't watched or read anything then because you've been work being productive. Oh no, I, I did watch some stuff. Did you want me to? Oh, you, that? you might you might as well, because I mean, my quarantine honestly is about the same as yours, trying to be productive and <laughs> yeah, not, not be um, too bored. No, I finished watching uh, the Stranger, that series that I mentioned oh, last yeah. week. Oh um, yeah. And I actually thought this was like really good. Like I still feel the same way. It's a um, by its nature, it's like a limited series. Like I don't think they could do a Stranger season two at all because it's just kind of one of those things where it's like this single mystery story about um this man's wife who's go- who goes missing and it, it everything's wrapped up so nicely there's like no i don't think there's any way they could do a second season which kind of sucks because i enjoyed it so much but i felt like overall it was really satisfying um and like pretty much everything i said last week about enjoying like how engrossing it is and how like 
I guess how confusing it is and like the payoff like was really well done in this series. But um, one thing I can say, one like more thing I can say is uh, that I actually appreciate it is early on in the series, um, it's written in this really cool way where they they make you think that uh, there's one thing going on and then it ends up being something completely different and almost like more real world than what they originally make you think. And I know I'm being really vague because I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but uh, there's this trope that uh, I want to say a lot of mystery and horror like movies and series have been using like this really, really similar trope for the last couple of years. Um, and I can leave that vague, but this show makes it seem like it's going to follow the same uh, subject matter that's been like really popular lately and then the show kind of takes a left turn and doesn't follow that subject matter and it kind of uh, it's kind of cool because it adds to the mystery of it because you're like oh I actually didn't think it was going to turn out this way that's I know cool. that's really vague but if that any of that makes sense uh, overall I just say check out The Stranger if you're looking for a good mystery series <laughs> sort of thing So yeah right on um, is that really all you focused on? <laughs> Yeah, like, I've, I've been wanting to watch more stuff, but, uh, like I said, I've actually been doing a lot of art, and, uh, yeah, that's about it, so. Alright. How about you? Yeah, so, um, I, just like you, I've been trying, I've been wanting to watch more stuff, but I've been being productive, and, um, not. Um, it's, <laughs> it's weird, because when I come home, when I get up for work, when I get up in the morning, I'm thinking to myself, this is the time that I'm going to be productive, so I've done a little working out, um, I'm trying to get back on the swing nice. of working out more. Um, so I'm actually getting that routine uh, back because when I was working at my old job, I got a regular amount of like physical activity and now I'm not getting as much. So I'm like, I need to put that back in my daily routine. So yeah. I've, been, I've been working out more, so that's good. But then, um, the, uh, you know, I, I, I just watching stuff has been like, it's like I've been watching Community. That's honestly about it. Episodes here and there. Like I'm almost done with the show. Um, the CW is starting to drop episodes for some of its shows that they had to hold back because of the uh, quarantine. So I don't know if anything was shot. I think these are episodes that were shot right before the shutdown that are finally going to be dropping. Um, so my DVR is okay. starting to get some episodes to it. But um, like uh, this past weekend, I started teaching that D&D class for the Park District. Um, which is kind of cool. I, I don't have many students, but they were like, they all want to learn. So like we started the first class and we just, we talked about like real basic rules and kind of like what D and D is. And then we, I, uh, helped them make all their characters. And then the next class we're going to do like a couple practice encounters. So they understand how combat and magic works. And then the next, the third class, we're going to actually start an adventure. Um, so, uh, I'm, nice. I'm going to do like a, I'm basically going to do like a one shot with them because, um, ideally the structure of the class was teach them the basics, kind of un make them understand how they do it. And then we're going to do a one shot adventure and like play like a single story. And then I'm going to basically go, Hey, you know how to play now. And then anyone who's in <laughs> and anyone who's interested from the class who wants to learn how to DM, I'm going to do like an extra week of like, Hey, this is how you do this. This is how you, you know. Um, because the DM is the hard part. So, right. Um, 
So yeah, that's been kind of cool to figure out how to do. And unfortunately, we have to do it all virtually. But I found some good virtual tabletops to work with, and um, it's cool. Uh, what uh, edition are you playing? Fifth edition. Um, okay. and, and when I told them, I was like, hey, you know, this is the this is the most current. So like, if they are like, hey, I really like this and want to start buying material on their own, it's best to teach them current because that's the easiest to find. So right. I've actually heard a lot of really good things about fifth edition. I've never played it myself, but uh, from what I've like, from when I've played D and D and the aspects of it that I like, um, and kind of hearing what exactly fifth edition is, I feel like that's like the edition for me. Like it sounds so, it sounds like a lot more streamlined because I've really only played fourth edition, which is. Um, for me, who's like somebody who gets more into the role playing rather than the combat, I think fourth edition is a little tactics heavy for me. Like it's a little too much combat and stats and stuff where I'm really into the story and the role playing aspects of it. And I feel like fifth edition is probably a little bit better from based on what I've heard. In that that aspect, it is, um, it, 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 it is what you're looking for. I think it's also, uh, I kind of look at it as, uh, you also need a good DM. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you have a good DM, even if you're running 4th edition, you should be able to do something with it. But I I really like 5th edition. Um, and then, if you want a really good idea, um, if you want a really good idea of how 5th uh-huh. edition works, uh, check out Critical Role at the Critical Role podcast. Or, um, um, they Because they have their episodes up on YouTube, cause they, uh, actually, or Twitch, and however they got their streaming um, they're really, really good. That's a that's a podcast I love listening to. Speaking uh, of Critical so. Role, because I actually have watched a few episodes. Um, like we were painting a couple of rooms at, at uh, my house um, when we moved in, and I was like looking for podcasts and stuff to listen to while I worked. And I listened to some Critical Role, but uh, do you have any advice for like somebody who wants to get into Critical Role, like where they should jump in? Because I was starting at the beginning, and I don't even know if that's the spot the beginning the beginning of so what they and i say the beginning of with a big question mark because so when they started the show they did uh they did a a campaign which ran for like 150 episodes yeah and then they ended that story and they started a whole new campaign um so so as far as i know i started at the very first episode of okay (laughs) so it's two different uh parties so like campaign one is the story of Vox Machina, and then, which is which is a rating, which is the name of the group, and then Campaign Two, which is the same character, same uh, voice actors and everything, uh, same players, I guess the way of wording it, and then they do Campaign Two, which is um, the story of the Mighty Nine. So it's two completely different stories. Um, just because you could get yourself caught up current, um, I would say. I mean, there's so many hours of like whatever to listen to. Um, I have been, I've enjoyed campaign two better than campaign one. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, and then, so yeah, I would say if you wanted to start at the beginning of campaign two, but do you, um, do you listen to it? Like they do podcasts or they just on YouTube or how does it, uh, well, they do, (laughs) they do them live on Twitch and then the episodes show up on YouTube, uh, or, uh, the podcast. I usually listen to the podcast cause I have more time to listen to it, like in the car okay. and like to listen to it in the car and stuff. Um, I, I didn't know if they had like a big YouTube playlist that's just like campaign two or something. It'd be like really easy to find, but they do, I might, I they do actually. 
Um, okay. They, if okay, you cool. and uh, they do, if you go to um, if you if you put, go into YouTube and type in Critical Role, you'll get a uh, um, you'll get the playlist for the campaign one, campaign two. Um, so that, right, cool. that being said, uh, this is basically a giant <laughs> advertisement for Critical Role. So, um, I didn't mean for that. No, it's all good. I, I, I hope they're listening because I'm a massive fan and it was great to see them at, uh, it was great to see them at C2E2 and go to their panel and get to hear them talk for like an hour. And so, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it was just, it's doing that class with the kids was actually really cool. They're all roughly about the same age. So they're all like early junior high like it's like the perfect time to get uh, those kids into D&D so it was kind of fun to do that class with them so I'm kind of looking forward to Sunday when I can sit down and be like okay guys let's do some practice encounters and that kind of thing so so yeah um, that's honestly all I've been doing and then my kid is now all of a sudden into Halo so we've been playing through the Halo uh, video games Um, yeah you you told me about this that sounds pretty awesome yeah we're in the middle of Halo 2 right now and um it, when we got to the flood, um, he like had a panic attack um, <laughs> because that's when the game actually like takes because it, it's a shooter. It's just an alien action military shooter, and then you get to the flood part, and then it becomes a horror game. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had a it was it was just kind of interesting to um, see him deal with it because um, you would think to him like those graphics are so old like they don't look realistic at all, so he wouldn't get squeamish. Well, it wasn't the squeamish. It was the idea of, like, because the flood starts as those little, like, spider things. Yeah. And then they become the alien space zombie-like things. And um, and it's very fast. And they come from everywhere. And they don't stop. And <laughs> so... Right. So, and that's where he was having a panic attack. And, like, if I died, I'm like, dude, keep moving, keep moving. And he's like, what, you're dead? And he's like... <laughs> yeah. So, it, would, it was funny. Um, but, yeah. Nice. Quick drink of I, water. Uh, Quick drink of water there, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's all good. For some reason, that story reminded me of, uh, I used to, I had this friend who would, like, I hung out with him a couple times, and he'd either be watching me play video games or <laughs> somebody else, but I remember him, like, audibly gasping when, like, somebody would have, like, a close call in the game that they were playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought that was funny, like, not even the person playing as gasping as the person watching them and i always <laughs> found that amusing so right um well how about this you want to get to some news yeah let's go we for don't it. have a lot we just have some interesting ones um so yeah um is that, is that bumper ready yet <laughs> yeah i know i you know what ryan and i have talked just a couple kidding. ryan and i have talked talked a couple times we just uh i haven't had a chance to really discuss that with him so, I don't think we even have a plan for it at all either. So. Not, not really. I was just going to say yeah. throw some sound effects together and see what we can come up with. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll get there, though. Maybe all right. we could pull some, like, Anchorman clips or something. <clears throat> Try to yeah. think of other, like, news things. But, yeah. Sure. Uh, keep going. <laughs> all right. Uh, first news story. This is going to – this might catch your attention. There is a Hellraiser TV series coming. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. That's cool. It's going to be an HBO show. So, uh, oh, nice. so what's ni- what's nice about that is that there's going to be no rules, <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, Clive Barker is like either writing or producing it. Um, I would like to think he is, um, I was wow. really, what, what was really funny is I was watching, uh, community and they made a Clive Barker reference and I was like, oh, that's funny. You don't get to hear a lot of Clive, <laughs> ba- you don't get to hear Clive Barker references in the sense where they use his name in the reference. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, you know, you could make references to Hellraiser or something like that, but you, it's very rare to hear a reference where, like, the creator's, a Clive Barker reference with the creator's name is in there. Um, and it was yeah. really kind of funny. And then about an hour later, I'm, like, just scrolling through news stories, and I'm like, there's a Hellraiser show coming? I'm like, weird, I- ironic timing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, that's that's really all I had on that one. Just, hey, there's a Hellraiser show coming, and it could be cool. Hearing that, it makes me wonder, like, what's going on with the, uh, like, Child's Play TV series that we talked about so long ago, you know? Like, is that still going on and stuff like that? But Yeah, that I, I actually would have to look that up because I thought we had some updates a while back about that but yeah um, yeah we did I just haven't heard anything since so alright so this is a weird one um and I don't know much about this uh because this popped and I was like what is this about um and I kind of like I gotta go read some more on it so I want you to basically know that this is kind of like a weird update this is kind of like a weird hey there's this story I'm gonna go find out more about it and then address it later in a week or two um, okay. the headline reads AMC theaters bans Universal um, so it says AMC theaters says it won't show Universal pictures anymore uh, when its theaters reopen because of Universal's decision to release some of its movies early on demand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which I think is weird. Like, for example, like Trolls 2, um, did not, because of COVID, went straight to on-demand streaming because they wanted to just get it out there. And yeah. um, they, uh, so it'll never go to theaters. So because of some of the decisions Universal has made, AMC doesn't want to show their stuff. I read an article that AMC was considering not coming back at all after COVID. Like, they're, they've lost so much money on this shutdown that they aren't going to yeah. be able to come back at all, which is really sad because that's such a massive chain. Wow. But then I read this story, and I was like, wow, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're, like, you know, saying you're not going to show certain movies. Yeah, um, that's pretty rough. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know, like, I'm confused, though, because Universal isn't the only movie studio doing this, like... Disney has released some stuff on demand and stuff like that, so it seems kind of weird. I don't know if uh, Universal just has some of those, like, really, really popular, like, kids' properties, like uh, Trolls, for example, because I know the animated kids' movies, like, just make so much money at the box office from, they do. you know, like, so many families going and stuff like that. They do. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to um, say Universal's statement, their, their response to this news was um, our goal in releasing Trolls World Tour on video on demand was to deliver entertainment to people who are sheltering at home while movie theaters and other forms of entertainment aren't available. That's really all yeah. they had to say. It was really like, look, this is why we did this. That has nothing to do with um, like, wh- why are you? <laughs> um, yeah. Why are you jumping it, it on our throat? It's really bizarre. <laughs> And I understand AMC is struggling, and they, for some reason, like, Univers- it sounds like Universal released Trolls uh, World Tour, and uh, AMC took it as, like, a, like shots fired at them sort of situation, yeah. and I don't think that's what it is, <laughs> and that's, like, it's very, very odd. Yeah, it's a weird story. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, would, it struck me as really weird, so I was like, all right, yeah. um, we're gonna, we're gonna see, and, um, We'll see what happens because everyone's got to reopen, and we'll and who knows. Yeah. Now it does make me think, though. Sorry, like one no, more go thought ahead. is like since like I feel like a lot of upcoming movies might end up getting released on demand uh, during you know this whole lockdown situation because 
you know, movie companies just want to release them. But then once theaters are reopened, maybe there might be like a drought at these movie studios where they need to have stuff to release, you know, to kind of fill in the gap before they can make more movies. And I wonder if some of these projects that you hear about that kind of get stuck in a post-production hell like maybe they'll actually be released like maybe i don't know you know what i mean like it's kind of you're just like, you're just saying you want to see new mutants <laughs> it's gonna bring it back to new mutants but there are other movies that like that has happened to that just kind of like get thrown in the vault and are forgotten about because a movie studio doesn't know what to do with them and i'm just yeah. kind of curious you know maybe yep. we'll end up seeing some stuff that we wouldn't have seen if this wasn't the case so yeah i know well, this is a really good segue into the next story, and I, I kind of ordered them on this for this on purpose. So I talked a while back about how, with everything shutting down and the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with movie theaters, they're going to allow them to reopen. Those are like really confined spaces, and the guy who coughs two rows behind me like just coughed COVID all over me. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on with that? So um, they. Uh, I was like, well, I was looking at the slate of things, and I'm like, does that mean that we could be looking at Birds of Prey and Sonic the Hedgehog as the two best picture nominees this year? Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? And then we heard uh, rumors that um, the Golden Globes are looking to kind of restructure the rules as to what's allowed and what's not allowed for eligibility. Yeah. All right. So let's look at the big. Let's look at the big one. The Academy Awards. The rule that the Academy Awards has in place is, or the MPAA, the Motion Picture of Arts, Arts uh, Academy, has the, the rule in place that a movie has to play in a theater to count for an Academy Award. So even if the movie, like, releases in select theaters and then is streaming later, or it streams for a little bit on, like, Netflix, but then they get a theatrical release, then it can count, because some movies from, like, Netflix have been counted, right? So there is there is a little bit of a loophole there, but it has to play in a theater to count for a most for for an Academy Award. Well, we're at a point where like so many movies are being pushed back and dropped off, and like we don't know if movie theaters are opening. So here you go: new rules for the Academy Awards. Movies that de- movies that debut on streaming or VOD service may qualify in the Best Picture general entry and specialty categories for the 93rd Academy Awards in 2021. This will be the only year that movies without a theatrical release can be considered for an Academy Award. Okay. Um, what I think is really interesting about that, and like that's direct headline that I just read for you, but what I think is really interesting about it is that we've seen Netflix pump out a couple movies and like, They've gotten, like, you know, Best Actress nominees and, you know, that kind of stuff. And we've seen a couple get Best Picture nominees but not win. This is a situation where streaming, I think, is going to be looked very heavily, more so anywhere else. And it's going to show and it's going to really show the power of just getting the content out to people. Um, And this is going to be a year that they're going to do nominations for movies that for sure no one is going to know what they are because (laughs) and the reason i say that is because every year they bring out the best picture nominees you're like i haven't heard of that movie what's that and everyone starts looking up these best pictures like where'd they come from Um, some of them are really popular a lot of times the movies you've never heard of before this is a situation where they could be pulling they could pull a movie from the um 
catacombs, the deep, dark catacombs of Netflix, and go, this is an amazing film. How did this get overlooked? And it could be nominated for a Best Picture. Luckily, anything that gets nominated this year, we're going to be able to find because it's going to be streaming for us. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. It's going to be easier to get our hands on. But at the end of the day, like we could get there could be some really weird stuff getting nominated this year. Um, so I'm going to be kind of really interested to see like more probably more so than any other Academy Awards is how this one's going to function. So yeah, I I kind of I kind of see where you're going there, and I guess to me like I kind of find it exciting. Like I'm gonna I guess say what I say a lot on the podcast, but hopefully like. Some of these, like, sort of, like, uh, movies that would have been overlooked if it was a different year, maybe they'll have more of a chance at the Academy Awards and stuff. Maybe, like you said, we'll get some of these weird, you know, indie art house things that might be, you know, you know dug up from the <clears throughs> underbelly of Netflix. And it'll be kind of, uh, it's just a really interesting situation. Right. Um, I kind of like the idea that uh, the Academy has changed its guidelines because of the uh, virus situation and it's kind of um, I feel like overall it's, an, it's a more open minded approach to um, just that award ceremony like why does a movie have to be shown in theaters to be up for an academy award like it's still a movie whether it's not I have a feeling that that rule had to have been made so many years ago that streaming was never a thought like this was that situation where like in the like you just didn't. That's not how you saw movies. That just wasn't a thing. Um, and all oh, it was. Oh yeah, because then it would weed out all the video or straight to video releases. It would straight. It would weed out straight to video. It would weed out the made for TVs. Um, yeah. You know, and then suddenly this the internet is invented and people can stream video content and now you're making movies on cell phones and are those can those even be counted? You know what I mean? Like it gets to have that rule in place, kind of. It weeds everything down a little bit, but, and yeah. I see your point where you're like, well, why couldn't they? But that rule was made so long ago, um, and now it's time to kind of reevaluate. And that's the thing. Netflix has had some movies pop up, so it's not like, you know. Uh, yeah, it's actually, uh, you're probably right. For some reason, when I first heard it, I thought it was a rule that was made up because of Netflix and because of streaming services they're like no you know we only do movies that are shown in theaters so i was actually thinking it was more recent of a rule but you're probably right uh in this case it probably was to weed out uh straight to dvd movies or or straight to video (laughs) i think it was more to weed out the the made for tv like the uh like the hallmarks um (laughs) uh or back in the day before like uh the internet was a thing uh when you had like you know your tv movie of the week and it was designed just to be like this nbc like special you know what i mean (laughs) like your after school specials and yeah yeah um Um, so you're making me think like what if there was an award ceremony just for hallmark movies (laughs) you know just for hallmark christmas movies you know there's a chance there's a chance that hallmark has one of those and they just run their own? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we should live stream it next year with commentary. Yeah, right. Just kidding. All right, so here's the last story of the night. Um, okay. And so, and this might make you laugh, but we all know they're doing live action of every Disney movie, right? Okay. So we're yeah. get, looks like we have a live action Hercules in the works. Okay. Okay, now... We can say, okay, and like, hey, live-action Hercules. 
Now, this has me interested because of the mythological factor of this, like the myth and seeing these mythological beings like Zeus and Hades and, you know, all that stuff on screen. The thing that caught my attention is that this is coming from the Russo brothers. Uh, they're not set to direct uh, right now. It just has them listed as executive producers. But either way, that makes me really interested. Um, it's almost like it's almost like, hey, we're gonna take this Hercules thing, and we could probably Avengerize this if you want. <laughs> if you think yeah. About it. So. Well, like thinking of the Disney uh, live action movies, um, and uh, I guess with it being a mythological story like Hercules, like my initial thought was like, okay, so this is going to be like a superhero movie in tone. And, uh, so, you know, having the Russo brothers do it is just totally like power for the course. Like that makes total sense. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was about it. That's all I got for news. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you ready to talk the list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. (laughs) All right. So, uh, list time. So, Ryan, you know what to do? Roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right. And we're back. So, uh, Peter, uh, this was my pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, in all seriousness, we're starting to turn into this quarantine to become Groundhog Day. And all there is in the news is virus stories, and I was thinking about it. I think – I don't want to say we want to laugh at this because I don't want to, like, necessarily make jokes because some of, the, like, the things on my list are there. The, 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 it's a pretty serious topic to talk about viruses in general uh, right now. But, like, I want to – I'm like, it's time to have some fun with this because my brain has been fascinated with the idea of – what are the things we're going to see in a post-COVID world? Oh, hey, spit screens at the registers at the grocery store. Those are a thing to stay. Looks like we're not going to be shaking hands anymore. Looks like there's no high fives anymore. And where those are sad things to talk about. And saying that the phrase stay safe is now the new goodbye. That's a really dark statement. The idea of this is just fascinating the hell out of me. Um, and it's made me look at a lot of like movies, television shows, books that I've read. And like really like thought about like how things are handled and you look at these movies that deal with the future like demolition man where they had to um outlaw physical contact because of uh diseases and stuff it just has me thinking about the world we're about to go and live in for the rest of time and i'm just completely fascinated by this because this really is the end of the world because everything we know is completely destroyed and we're gonna have this whole new world we have to live in so um, I just, like, I just figure, like, this is a perfect time, like, let's talk about these virus things, and let's, you know, shed some light on it, like, hey, these are some really cool things, and some of them have, um, some of them have, some of these virus movies, like, one of the movies that made my short list was Outbreak, uh, which is primarily about Ebola, um, and it's based off of the book The Hot Zone, uh, the book, the movie Outbreak did not make my final list, but the movie's really good, and it has an uplifting ending at the end. Because they, like, stop the virus. They find the cure. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Not all virus movies do that. Um, but the idea, like, you still, like, some of them are, some of them are kind of sad. So, um, uh, either way, uh, like, the movie Contagion, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. 
Um, that's a really rough to watch only because of how serious they are. And when you get done watching the movie, you're like, well, I got to go wash my hands, you know? <laughs> so, um, it's a completely different take. It's a little more, I think it's a little more closer to what we're, uh, dealing with now, um, as opposed to the fantasy ones. Um, before we hit our honorable mentions, I have two of mine. I don't, do you have any? Yeah, I have two. Okay. Before we hit our honorable mentions, there's one virus thing I wanted to bring up that has nothing to do with a TV show, book, movie, anything like that, but it's a board game. Um, so I wanted to kind of, this is basically like an addendum to the honorable mentions because it's it's more of a, hey, you should check this out because it's cool. Um, and that's um, <laughs> and that's the board game Pandemic. Um, I talked about it a while back around, I talked about it a while back around uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and the whole point of the game is it's literally you and the other players on the on the board play as a CDC um, team, and you are trying to rid the world of diseases and viruses that are like wreaking havoc, and you have to stop outbreaks, and you have to set up uh, um, treatment centers, and you have to like do all this stuff, and you know evacuate people out of cities, and like there's all this like it's, it's a fairly complicated game, but you play against the board. Um, so you either all win together or you all lose together. And the game's actually really hard to play because you have to think very strategically. Like, ooh, if I fly to this city and take care of this over here, you do go to there. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really cool game. So in the realm of everything we're living in, um, it's, it's a fun time if you want to sit around the table and <laughs> do something. <laughs> like, um, right. and you can, I mean, obviously you can find online for like a, a lot of the, you know, board game stores, but they sell it at Target. <laughs> So, um, and there's various different forms, like they have pandemic rapid response or like pandemic legacy, like different versions of the game exist, but yeah, I just want to mention do, it. I do like the, the sentiment of like, oh, you know, you want to relax, take your mind off things, you know, play some pandemic. <laughs> but, uh, look at the, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's a really good board game. The subject matter just, you know, adds to the excitement. So yeah, I've played a pandemic a couple times. It is really fun. <laughs> it is very hard as you said because as far as i know there's it's there's more way to more ways to lose the game than to win so basically the cards are stacked against you like from the get-go um but i honestly for some reason i thought you were gonna go with uh the omega virus like oh. the old board game like <laughs> even though that's not the same kind of virus at all that's like a computer virus taking over a spaceship or something yeah that's um, a it's a it, that's a computer virus yeah. <laughs> but um, either way but that's that's, that's a cool board game yeah absolutely that's a really cool board game either way um yeah no but pandemic just really it really shows you how viruses spread especially when you think about the idea of well wait a minute how that spread oh wait someone could have gotten on an airplane and that's you know what i mean it really kind of shows you how it functions in that sense um, yeah. So it's just it's just a really good board game. Um, anyway, uh, it was my pick for uh, the game. So the the game, the um, uh, list tonight. So you get to go first. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually did want to say before I go with my first honorable mention. Um, I actually found this list to be very difficult. Um, and mm. I think that's just because I don't. I actually don't think I've watched a lot of virus movies. <laughs> And I was kind of searching, and I, it was like one of those things where I thought I'd watch more, but I don't think I have, and that's kind of where I was struggling. But uh, luckily, I do love zombie movies, so I tried not to pick like exclusively <laughs> zombie movies, but that is most of my list, and that's like right. that's kind of my shortcoming, just because I haven't seen a lot of virus movies, but it's also like 
you know, at least I have, like, this one aspect of virus movies I really love. Uh, the thing is, I did try to choose zombie um, movies uh, that had more of a, uh, I guess, scientific, like, virus explanation to them. Instead sure. of just okay. going with, like, anything goes. Um, and then just, just to clarify, because I don't think we mentioned it, this is just uh, any virus piece of entertainment, right? Yeah, so if, there's, so if there's a book you read or if there's a... Um, comic book you read or television episode you watched and you know that that however you want to look at it is totally cool I just was like there's so many cool virus stuff out there like I said man I just got I thought I thought it was all fascinating and one of the things that I thought was the most fascinating about this subject is it's an invisible villain Um, you can't see it you can't see it and you can't fight it in normal conventional ways and it always made it gripping especially when you add in like an adventure film where there's a bioterrorist or something. You know what I mean? Like, the, the idea of it was always scary, and then you add in the adventure aspect, and it makes it a little bit more intense. And I was always fascinated with that stuff, so I was always reading books about that kind of thing, and then, like, you're like, ooh, that's interesting, and then you read an actual factual book about it, and then you get more into it, and then COVID happens, and then you're like, I've been reading about this stuff. This is cool, but I'm terrified at the same time. Like, you know, so... um it's just been like it's been really interesting for me and i don't know anyone else that i like i don't know anyone else who looked at it the way i am and i'm like it's hard to talk about so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna use this is my show i'm gonna (laughs) you know what i mean like we're gonna talk about this um and i'm not trying to make this a covid episode it's more of a let's talk about these cool stories so um so (laughs) so that's gonna actually lead into my first uh pick yeah go ahead since we still haven't gotten there yet. Um, so actually, my first one is a movie you already mentioned, but uh, my first honorable mention is the movie Outbreak. Oh, okay. Um, and this is one that uh, actually, the way you're talking about pandemic and the way viruses spread, um, I think is a perfect example. Because like you said, the, the movie's really good. There's a lot of stuff I could say about it. it um, I think overall, like because I think the movie... I watched it recently, um, like after, you know, quarantine happened and stuff because it's on Netflix. And, uh, I think there's a bit of a nineties over the topness to the movie that there um, is, yes. doesn't age as well as like you'd hope, but I, it, it still is a really good movie. Like you said, there's a really, um, sort of uplifting ending to it all. Um, but one of the things that always fascinated me me about this movie and like the first time i saw it was as a kid and i remember the way they show the virus spreading and how like you know there's the one guy infected and then it shows all the other people he infects and how like it even goes into like showing like tiny molecules that he coughs up gets transferred to somebody else and that when i was a kid was so like fascinating and i don't know even since then i don't know if i've seen a lot of movies try to recreate that kind of storytelling necessarily so i really like that uh, with that go watch contagion okay um, and that, this is contagion is one that i haven't seen yeah so. that's with uh, gwyneth paltrow and marion cotillard and um jude laws in it and it's it's a really good movie but it's a good example of what you're talking about so okay cool. um well my first honorable is that it for your honorable outbreak it's a great movie yeah. i just i know i totally agree with everything you just said and i loved that scene where uh, Dustin Hoffman's trying to figure out, <laughs> he's trying to figure out, um, they're doing the tracking, like, okay, this guy talked to this Pearson, and then that person got infected, so then they went and did this, and then when they got to the movie theater, and you show the guy cough, 
and he's like, and there's your break. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, they're doing <laughs> yeah. like the little montage scene of how it all worked out. It's just it it really cool scene. Um, Absolutely. All right, so my first one is Cabin Fever. Okay, nice. This made my short list. Um, uh, this is on. a this is a uh, very I don't have a lot to say on it. This is a very gross virus movie. <laughs> Um, this one was, uh, this one was kind of hard to sit through, um, in a general sense, but it really kind of showed from a common man's perspective because a lot of these virus movies are told from a very government level there. You have these people trying to figure out what's going on and that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then you have, um, so you have like this guy, it's, it's, it's always a government level and this is common man where they don't know anything and you know that the water's infected and the girl's drinking the water and you're just like, don't drink the water. But and you know what I mean? Like, it's just, so it, it, it's a little bit more of a horror film than anything else, but at the same yeah. time, like watch the structure of how it plays out and it really is like this gripping virus story. So that one is a very sad ending, but still. Um, that's really all I wanted to say about it on that one. So, yeah, for sure. I like uh, I like Cabin Fever a lot. Um, this is uh, and I don't know if it's his first, but this movie kind of put Eli Roth <laughs> on the map because um, I'm pretty sure he directed that. Um, I actually had a much different experience with this movie though, because <laughs> when I saw it, I watched it with a group of friends who were kind of like all just like to watch horror movies and kind of make fun of it and stuff. <laughs> and like when I when I watched it, I guess I didn't get the gross outness of it as much because I was kind of like in a group atmosphere where we just, we were just kind of like laughing at it and stuff like that more than uh, taking it super seriously. So I think I had a bit of a different experience with this one than you. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, yeah, I was, a, that was, a, I went to the theater to see it too. That was a, it was a hard sit. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. All right. What's your next one? Okay, so my next one um, is a comic book series called Crossed. Um, are you familiar with this at all? Uh, the title sounds really familiar, but I'm drawing a blank. So Okay, so a while back it was pretty popular. This is probably the most messed up thing I'll ever talk about on the show. <laughs> but uh, Crossed is essentially a, uh, it's a comic series that's about a zombie-like outbreak. And uh, the reason it's called Crossed is because whoever gets infected gets this weird like cross like burn mark sort of like rash pattern on their face it looks like there's a giant like cross on their face and they basically turn into zombies but they're more conscious like they basically go insane and they run around as like murdering psychopaths so they're more sentient they can talk and stuff like that but they're just like insane and vicious and uh it's an extremely violent, like, horrible comic as far as, like, violence and graphicness goes and stuff. But it actually is, like, pretty intense. It's a really good survival story, and that's why I like it, because it has that sort of really cool, like, Walking Dead sort of survival aspect that was pretty engrossing at the time. Um, this is a series that's written by Garth Ennis, and if you know any of the other stuff Garth, Garth Ennis has done, he did, like... The Boys uh, comic book, he did... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first writer for the Darkness series. He did a couple other things, but this is Garth Ennis completely unhinged, just completely... No one was holding him back on this book, and he got, basically got as violent and messed up as, as he wanted to, so it is extremely graphic. I have to warn you about that if you check it out, but 
it is really enjoyable from that survivor aspect. So I thought I would throw that in there. So right on. Yeah, no, I, I like the darkness and I like, uh, I don't, yeah, I remember I can almost see the title like yeah. on, on print in my mind. I just was like, I know, I, I know, I know that title. <laughs> It was, like, super popular. There was uh, one year at uh, Anime Central here in Chicago where uh, me and a buddy actually went as uh, crossed people there. So we just had the, like, big, like, cross, bloody, like, scar on our face and just walked around and acted like idiots, I guess. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, my final honorable mention for the night is Stephen King's The Stand. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this book. Um, This... I, I, I haven't the book is it's a tome it's huge um (laughs) it's it's a virus but it's not a virus you kind of got to read the book to understand what i mean by that statement um but one of the things and the only reason this doesn't make like a higher list for me is that it's uh is it's I feel like sections of the book are really drawn out, like, where he'll spend, like, 40 pages explaining this one thing. As much fun as I had reading it, um, he probably could have cut it down to much less. Um, that's that's honestly my only problem with The Stand, is that, like, I spent, like, almost 100 pages reading about how this guy's an alcoholic, and then I'm like, you could have <laughs> handled that in, like, five pages. Um, <laughs> right. The, uh, so that's honestly my only criticism of the book. Otherwise, I loved it, but the book handles there's this infection going around and that's why I said it's a virus, but it's not a virus. You got to read the book to understand what I'm talking about because there's a big turn to it. Um, but when the infection's going around the way he's describing it's, it's following the infection from person to person and how they're getting sick and like the like the, the symptoms and all that stuff really, really good. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because it's, it's a fantastic story in the realm of what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man, your first actual pick for the night. Yes. Um, so the first one I want to go with is uh, 28 Days Later. 28 Days um, Later. Not yeah, so not this, to be confused with the Sandra Bullock movie, 28 Days. <laughs> right on. Um, so this is like, I don't know if it's the first one, but this movie really popularized uh, Fast Zombies. Um, and like, Did it? I'm think, pretty sure the first Fast Zombies were the Dawn of the Dead remake. And that's why I was saying, like, this wasn't the first one, but I feel like it's oh. a movie that everybody points to. Like, I feel, and I don't know why that is. Like, why don't more people point to Dawn of the Dead? I don't know, but for some reason, I don't know if just more people saw 28 Days Later, but I hear it referenced more when people talk about Fast sure. Zombies. Well, it also well might 28 the, Days Later is not a zombie movie. Right, it's, it's, it's like it's, a... It's uh, a rage virus. It's not a zombie film. Yeah, and I don't know, did they say it was rabies in the movie, or did they ever... Uh, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the movie in such a long time, I don't okay. remember. And go, going back to the fast zombies aspect of it, I think, um, I, th- I think, like, part of it might be how fast people turn into zombies, how it would be only, like, a couple minutes at most, and then you are... Well, I'm sorry, I keep using zombies, but how fast people would be taken over by this infection, like... Let's just call them the infected. Minutes, What's that? <laughs> Let's just call him the infected. <laughs> right. Well, I, I know. I was just, <laughs> so I actually was thinking, like, well, is there the semantics of, like, you're infected, but you're still not acting like a zombie because it hasn't reached that point of the infection? But, right. Uh, but, like, that's my point 
is just like how fast people would turn in this movie really made for something really suspenseful and really exciting because like somebody gets bitten or they get some kind of bodily fluid like they ingested or whatever and it's like moments until they turn so you really don't even have like a second to really think about it you just have to kind of yeah a runaway whatever and i really like that and i also really liked the um I guess how realistic this movie tried to go as opposed to going like super over the top and stuff. Like it really tries to go with believability and all that. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. Those are probably the big reasons I like this one a lot. So um, yeah, you kind of uh, what I this one was interesting because of the barren waste. Like the guy wakes up and he's got to walk down the street and there's nothing. <laughs> And you're trying, and he's, and you're trying to piece together a lot of the puzzle with him, like what actually happened, what's going on, and then the adventure begins. Uh, and I think that's the most, I think that's one of the most gripping parts of the movie because once, once the chase is on with the infected, then it's kind of more of like a standard zombie chase movie where up until that point it's terrifying because you don't know what happened and you're seeing the newspaper clippings and the garbage on the streets and the cars stopped places and he's and he's just by himself like what where am i so yeah and and i I do agree with you there um once the chase is on it does become a little bit um maybe i don't know if predictable is the right word but uh and then there's also the aspect where once they join the group of uh, military people and they kind of, you kind of feel like they're safe. And then the main conflict switches from it being a survival horror thing to more of a, uh, you know, people are the real monster sort of like, you know, that sort of trope. And like, I do really like that aspect of the movie, but I feel like at that point, the uh, infected aren't really as much of a threat. So that is like maybe one of the drawbacks, but it still is like, I guess it, it still ranks pretty high up there for me yeah. with all that being said. So, um, well, uh, my, do you want me to go on mine? First one? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay. So my first one, and you're going to laugh at this. Um, and it's okay if you do, um, is mission impossible Two. um, mission. You it's, did, it's been a while. So you, did, you didn't laugh. Remember. Okay. Uh, mission impossible. I don't remember the virus aspect of this one. Right. Mission impossible two is not that great of a movie. Um, and it is not, um, and it is definitely the worst of the Mission Impossibles. Um, however, uh, the Mission Impossible 2, in terms of it not being a good movie, it suffered from uh, the popularity of trying to get specific people involved, like producers and directors and that kind of stuff, um, because of certain popularity things, because of like, like it's, it's a John Woo-directed movie. So, and John Woo has very specific John Woo things that have to be in movies. Um, and so it was more of a popular decision to have that director than anything else. And if you once you get past the John Woo aspect of the movie, it's actually a really good movie. Um, some of the action sequences are a little over the top, that's fine. But ultimately, it's a movie about a bioterrorist with a, with a virus that they're going to unleash on the world. Um, the virus is a little little a lot like ebola in the sense of how it functions but at the end of the day it has that intense like oh they're infected this is you know infect one person and send them into a populated area and they'll take care of like everything you know what i mean so it's it has that uh viral aspect to it and you get to see some really cool like 
how the virus was made and discussions about it and then you go into like the adventure part like having to destroy the virus before anything happens or like oh we got to break into the lab and we can destroy the uh you know destroy the uh what they have in the lab so that'll only leave these and then we can go you know so there's this great like adventure part to it and the action and then you throw in um the virus stuff and it's just it's a fun movie and it's in my opinion a rewatchable movie for me so like if it's on tv i'll probably just stop and watch it because it's on or put it on for background noise but it's just a cool movie in, in a general sense um the only reason it makes my top five is because I think it's a fun movie and I can rewatch it. Um, but like I said, it's not the great, it's not the best movie out there. So, right. I um I saw this movie like I was in high school and I remember watching this movie, and at the time it put such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but with that being said, it's also kind of the time in my life where I was the most uh, jaded about <laughs> movies. And, sure. Uh, I feel like I could probably rewatch it and might even enjoy it a lot more than I the, did the first time. Like I said, you're going to laugh at some of the John, like if you watch it now, you're going to uh, laugh at some of the John Woo aspects of the movie. At the end of the day, yeah. it's still Mission Impossible. It's still an action movie. It has all the elements of what it is. It's got all the virus stuff in it. So it's, you know, it's it's fine. It, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just you have to get past that John Woo stuff. That's why I said you might laugh at it and go, yeah, of course he just did a somersault because John <laughs> Woo likes somersaults. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I so. Th- I think it is some of that over-the-top <clears throat> action stuff that really bugged me the first time watching it. I'm actually at a point where uh, I actually kind of tend to appreciate that stuff more than anything now so like i said i probably actually might enjoy it if i give it a rewatch i just you know it's been a while and when i did watch it i was really harsh on it and uh like i said it's been a while so i just don't even remember the virus aspect of the movie right so. um yeah all right man you're up okay cool so my next one um is a little bit more of a comedy and that is uh, the movie dead alive um, so this is a zombie movie. It's the second movie, I believe, uh, made by Peter Jackson. It is known as the goriest movie of all time. <laughs> and it's pretty much a movie that you watch, and it's just ridiculous. Like, after, like, the first quarter of the movie, it's just ridiculous, awesome, like, latex, 80s splatter horror effects the whole way through. Um, this is one of these movies that... Yeah, it's really gory, but none of it looks real. Like, it all looks like that weird 80s sort of rubbery, like, weird kind of gore that I actually personally really like. (laughs) And I think it's just, like, one of my favorite movies from an aesthetic point of view. Like, I love this movie so much. The movie does, though, when it it comes down to it, it is about a virus. Um, The virus started from this guy being bit by this weird uh, monkey. I think they call it a, a rat monkey. So this guy is in uh, Africa and he gets bit by the monkey and uh, he turns into a zombie. Um, actually thinking about the movie now, I have that wrong. The guy did get bit by a monkey, but they don't show him return. The monkey actually ends up at a zoo in New Zealand and the monkey bites a woman at the zoo and she's the one who starts <laughs> the spread of the virus but this is a pretty goofy this is a really goofy movie and it's just one of those good things that like it's like cabin fevered it is a good movie to watch as in a group of friends and just kind of laugh at like how gross and ridiculous it is it's kind of like 
I feel like it's up there on like the Mount Rushmore of B horror movies, but uh, yeah, this is just like a really fun one, and technically it is a virus movie, so I had to throw that in there. I gotcha. Yeah, I just I'm realizing as soon as you said zombies, I was like, so I'm gonna have the variety tonight. Um, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I'm gonna get my one and only zombie movie out of the way now, um, okay. and that is Resident Evil. Okay, nice. We uh, matched on this one, actually. Cool. So, so this will get thrown back to me real quick. Um, so Resident Evil, the first one specifically, um, I'm not focused on the other ones. This the, the first one by itself is a very – like, yeah, there's sequels, which are great, but this is a very isolated story. And, yes, it's a zombie film, but ultimately they give a scientific explanation. Most zombie films don't do – Virus. They don't explain how the infection started or how the thing happened. This is one where they gave you, hey, it's a T-virus. It was a virus that was designed to um, cure... It was a virus that was designed to reanimate dead cells to cure um, patients in wheelchairs and basically give life to dead cells so like people could, instead of... Uh, to basically cure handicaps so you didn't have to use a wheelchair or... You know what I mean? Um <laughs> And it was really cool to find that out. And then because it reanimated dead cells, unfortunately it reanimated the dead and that's where you get your zombies. Um, so the idea for what the guy was trying to create is really cool. And then you throw in the viral aspect of it. And again, this is a, this is, this comes into the invisible villain aspect and it made that first movie just gripping after that, the movies get silly and they're just fun action zombie movies, but the first one is just really cool, especially when they show the guy, because he's trying to expose the company, so he unleashes the virus, and he just tosses it, and the virus, yeah. and, and the vial breaks on the floor, and then you see the air vent, and then this, the facility goes into lockdown, and then you're like, what happened? And then the SWAT team's got to go in and find out what, you know what I mean? So, um, you go ahead, talk a little bit about it, so. Well, that, uh, specifically that you're talking about i really love where he if that's like the first scene of the movie pretty much where he breaks that vial and uh you you can just see what was inside of the vial like going through the air vents and stuff and i feel like with a good like virus movie and this isn't like maybe you might think this is super tropey but i do like that sort of like where they show the close-up like initial spreading of the virus like i always think that's like Something about it really makes it feel, like, real and re relatable when you have that, like, oh, crap moment of seeing, like, the disease get unleashed or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is a movie that I really like. I think it's kind of, uh, I really like it as just, like, a straight-up, just, like, sci-fi horror film. Like, I think it's such a good, like, sci-fi action horror movie. And I think it's, a lot of people get caught up on, the differences between this movie and the video game series Resident Evil, but the way I look at it is just this. I don't even like think about this movie related to the video games. This is just like its own thing is kind of how I look at it. And that's why I like it so much. Cause I just let it be its own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and it, it's, it is like, it's a cool movie. There is like a cool mystery there with uh, Alice's backstory. And, um, it's got a, a lot of awesome action sequences. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily know what to say. I feel like we've talked about Resident Evil a lot. So and Resident Evil's come up on Resident Evil's come up on other you know podcasts too. So I didn't want to go too deep yeah. into it, but you know what I mean. Like just 
by itself, like it's, it's a good virus story when you break it down into what it really is. Um, Absolutely. So, and I feel like even though it is really over the top, there's something that does feel realistic about it with that sort of like, like you could take the story of a virus breaking out of a lab and then basically like superpower it or like supercharge it. And then you have something similar to Resident Evil, you know, at the core of it, there's somewhere in there kind of seems kind of realistic. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this kicks back to me then because we matched. Um, yep. So this is where uh, this is for the final three. This is where I actually have a little bit more of a, uh, a variety. Uh, the next down <laughs> on my list is a book. It's actually been a movie twice. Um, the second movie, I think, was a little better handled because some of the special effects were better. But the book is uh, Michael Crichton's Andromeda Strain. Um, this is one hell of a read uh, from beginning from cover to cover. This is one hell of a read. Uh, the movies are good, but I honestly, this is one where the book really stands on its own. It's about, um, it's a virus and they handle, he handles the uh, scientific nature of everything in the book so well. And it's just, it's, it really draws you in on a level where you're just interested from beginning to end. Um, but the virus is, uh, it's a outer space virus that comes to earth because of a meteorite that crashes. That's awesome. So it's not it's not zombies. This is literally just a virus that kills people, and they're just like you know they they get this call that something's wrong at this town, and they get there, and like everything's gone, like it's just the whole town is just wiped out, uh, no people, nothing. So it's not like zombies. This is literally just a virus that kills, and when you find out that it came from a meteorite, and you know it's just the and because space like there's so much that we don't know, and there's so much in the realm of the unknown that when you deal with stuff like that the unknown scares you the most. So having a virus that could come on a meteorite, land on the planet and start wiping stuff out, how, how do you deal with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that, and then it made it, it made it scarier. So as a book, um, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. So I just recommend it. It's an older book. So some of the tech jargon could be a little bit out of date, but it's still amazing. So. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm pretty unfamiliar with this one. Um, but I do think that uh, after hearing the title, the Andromeda strain, I was kind of hoping that it was a virus from space. And oh. uh, since it is, I think that's definitely awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have too much to say, but it sounds cool. <laughs> cool. Um, let me, before we go any farther, you have these moments where like your voice is perfectly clear and then it's not. Are you like moving around with the mic? It might have, it might be how I'm holding it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not, it's not often. It's just like, I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Sorry uh, about that. no, it's all good. Um, all right. I'm going to kick it back to you. Okay, I just knocked cool. some stuff so, over. Hold on. Go ahead and talk. I just, I just knocked over some papers. So if you heard a small crash, my bad. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if I have too much to say on this one, but, uh, I was going to use, before we matched on Resident Evil, I was going to use uh, my more, like, silly pick of Dead Alive to move into my other silly pick, which is Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> so this one, we've talked about before, it's a great zombie movie, it's a great comedy. Um, when you actually read through the plot, like, it technically is a uh, viral story, though. I think yes. it's like a variation of the flu that uh, people get in Shaun of the Dead. 
And uh, it's one of those things, like, I know this is kind of a silly one to pick, but when I was actually looking at the list of, like, virus movies I've seen, like, this movie definitely makes it into my top five. It's really hilarious. It holds up. Um, everybody should see this movie if they haven't already. That's, uh, I don't know how, if I have much more to say on it right now, but, yeah. Yeah, no, and Shaun of the Dead's going to come up again when we, like, get the Halloween and they're talking zombie movies and stuff. Zo- Shaun of the Dead's fantastic. So, um, and then, I don't know, have you watched the rest of that trilogy? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Carnetto trilogy. Yeah, Yeah. I like them all, actually. I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I didn't like Hot Fuzz, I think, as well as I thought I was going to, but, um, uh, the, uh, the bar at the end of the world, or the world's end, world's end, end, that one, uh, that one's fancy, that one's really good, I like that one a lot, so. Yeah, I, I really love, uh, the world's end, too, like, that was really good, so. (laughs) Um, yeah, all right, um, so I should go then. Am I good? Am I? Yeah, 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 you're good to go. Um, so (laughs) this is one that I bet you didn't think of at all, um, and that is 12 Monkeys. I actually did think of that, uh, but go on. Um, 12 Monkeys, every time this comes up in conversation, a lot of people always reference it as a time travel movie, because essentially it is a time travel movie. But the reason they're time traveling is because a virus wiped out humanity and the survivors all went and lived underground because they could be sheltered from the virus on the surface. And they're sending people back in time to try and pinpoint when the virus was unleashed because it was a bioweapon. So when was the virus unleashed so we can stop the person from doing it to save humanity. That's the ultimate point of the whole movie. So they're sending people in time, back in time, to find the point of the virus's launch. Um, essentially, it's about viruses. Essentially, it's about the bioterrorism. And then you throw in the time travel. And it's Terry Gillian, when he put this together, like, wow. It's, 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 just, it's almost like this masterpiece. And it was on TV, like, I don't know probably like a month ago and I found, I found myself caught up watching it and I'm like, God, this is good. Um, I just haven't watched 12 monkeys in a while. Um, but the movie, the movie as a whole is really great. And the reason it's called 12 monkeys is because, um, it's not like there's 12 monkeys that they're doing experiments on. It's the army of the 12 monkeys is responsible for releasing the virus, but who had it, who was the leader of the army and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I actually did think of this one and this is a movie where, I think I need to rewatch it because um, the thing is, like, I, I've seen this movie and I actually really liked it, but then since then I don't remember a lot from the movie. And, oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if it's just been, like, it's been a long time. Like, I think I watched the movie in college, which was, like, going on, like, 10 years ago or so. So it might have just been a long time, but I don't remember a lot of it. And that's kind of just why it didn't make my top five. Sure. Um, but I did, but I do remember being like so satisfied and like thinking the movie was great, which is kind of funny that I don't remember a lot of it. So I probably just need a rewatch sort of thing. So yeah, I got you. No, it's it's a good movie. You should rewatch it. I think everyone should watch it because it's just good. Um, and I, I do feel like it is one of those like movies that had a lot of hype when it came out, and I don't I don't hear people talk about it very much at all anymore. So maybe that's. Kind of well, Sci-Fi too. did Sci-Fi Channel did a Twelve Monkeys television series. Um, now I've never watched it, but I think the show specifically focuses on the time travel element of the movie, not necessarily the virus element of the movie. Um, okay. So the movie kind of stands on its own, and then Sci-Fi Channel did the Twelve Monkeys uh, series. So, 
Um, yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of weird though, because like you said, it sounds like the 12 monkeys army was like integral to the virus story and not necessarily the time travel aspect. So I'm kind of curious why the show was called that. Oh yeah. 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 That's the thing. I've never, I never watched it. So yeah. Um, all right, man. Uh, your last pick of the night, dude. Yeah. So, uh, for my last pick, I went with, uh, the walking dead. Um, oh. and specifically talking about the show, um, so we don't have to do comments, a zombie list then because you've done it. <laughs> so I could do a zombie list and I might actually have different picks just because, oh. like I said, I was trying to go with zombie uh, pieces of entertainment that actually did have a viral explanation for them. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, this show, like, it doesn't really deal with the virus stuff past, um, like, the end of the first season when they're at the CDC and they're learning about how this uh, virus reana- uh, reanimates, like, uh, corpses and stuff like that. And then there's that reveal that, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, if anybody cares, but everybody on the Earth is already infected. Like, this is an airborne virus that everyone who dies will rise again as a zombie. And uh, besides that, I think the reason, um, and like I said, it doesn't go super in-depth with the virus stuff, but... It's one of my favorite series as just far as uh, anything to do with viruses. Like, it's one of my favorite pieces of entertainment. Um, it is vast. Like, there's so many seasons. There's a, And a lot of people have kind of fallen off of it. And like I've mentioned before, I don't hold every season to super high regard. But the parts of the show that I like, I love. Like, when the show's good, it's great. And sometimes it isn't as good. But... For those moments that it is great, I do really love it. And I think it's one of those things where it's a survivor series, and I like survival stories in general. So, like, I guess because it's so vast and there is this huge, like, survival aspect to draw from when you watch the series, that's kind of, like, what makes me drawn to this one so much. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this i know you've read the comic i think you've kind of fallen off of the show a little bit drew but yeah i it's uh, critiques of the walking dead aside one of the things that this show does really well is it is essentially a virus story and it take away the zombie aspect it is survival in a post-virus outbreak situation um and we and unfortunately we are not to the near we are not currently in the extremes of what the walking dead is but we are in a survival element of our own right now. And um, that's the thing is like when I would hear when Walking Dead was on and I was like really into it and I'm like, God, this show's great. And you'd hear people at parties like, oh, I don't like shows about zombies. The person who said that isn't watching the show because the zombies, yeah, they're a thing, but they are not the focus of the show. The show is about survival. Absolutely. Um, I, I always have that conversation where it'd be people like, oh, I don't like horror movies or shows. And then I'd be like, well, it's actually kind of more of an action survival sort of thing. <laughs> like, it's not the person who knocks it for this, that, or the other thing isn't watching the show because they don't know what they're talking about. And that's the thing that bothered me the most about it. Like, no, you just don't know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but no, ultimately it is a survival story and that's, and that's where I praise the show. Um, so yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, so my final pick of the night is the book The Hot Zone. Um, National Geographic did a miniseries, which I watched. I talked about it on the podcast a long time ago. So if you want to hear my thoughts on it, go back and listen. Um, but uh, 
the show was well done, but not nearly to the um, intensity that the book was, in my opinion. Uh, this book is signed. It's signed off by the CDC as fact. It's nonfiction. It is written like it's fiction, so it makes it like really easy to read um, because it doesn't feel like you're reading a nonfiction book. Um, it, it follows the Ebola outbreak that happened in the early '80s. Um, that kind of fell under the radar and uh, it almost was a legitimate like outbreak problem. Um, and uh, it's the first 18 pages of the book are gut-wrenchingly terrifying that like you read the first 18 pages and then you put the book down for like a week because you don't want to touch it. And then you pick the book up <laughs> later and then you're like, I got to finish this. And then you're just like intensely like you're just, it's just gripping. It's just un. it's so intense um, it's one of the most terrifying books I've ever read, but it is absolutely phenomenal in terms of how, like, yeah, they cover all the, like, how viruses function and everything, but you also see, like, how quarantine protocols are broken, and this is the book that I read, and then I watch everything going on with COVID, and I think to myself, everything is being done wrong, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so it's just... This is a book that I, I really honestly highly recommend it. Um, Richard uh, Richard per, uh, Preston uh, wrote this book. Um, like I said, the CDC, CDC signed off on it. He also wrote another one, which the CDC backed, uh, called Demon in the Freezer, um, which is about smallpox. Um, so same kind of a thing. It's it's it, The Hot Zone is just really well read, uh, written, and it's just put together so beautifully. And I remember when the... Um, we, uh, it was a few years back, we had that Ebola scare, um, and when that was happening, and then there was a possibility of it threatening the United States, like, actually coming over here, um, as an author, he went on to Reddit, and he did an AMA, and he said, hey, um, I'm not being sheltered by government not allowing me to talk, because I have no, you know, affiliation with that, I just wrote the book The Hot Zone, I'll answer any questions about Ebola that you want to know. So, <laughs> um, it was just a really cool, um, and he's been one that's been kind of quiet and I kind of, maybe he's putting together the next book for COVID. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a really good book. So that's my final pick of the night just because of how amazing it is. So nice. Um, that's really cool. I, um, I've heard about the hot zone a lot. I don't like, I've, I never really knew much about what it's like, what it is. It's kind it sounds pretty appealing that it's written like a non or like a fiction book you know it's not you're gonna read it and it's like i said it's written like fiction like exactly how any like normal fictional story would be written but the whole thing is 100 percent fact and the cdc signed off and said yep that is exactly what happened and how it happened um, that's great which is nice um and then like i said those first 18 pages are oh my god they're hard to read and it's basically <laughs> the first 18 pages of the guy who gets the virus he's the first guy to get it and he gets on an airplane and then it's his travel. He's like, he's going to a doctor, but he's got to get on a plane to get to the doctor. He's at, like, cause he's in Africa and he's got to get back to where he's, you know, the doctor he's going to go see. So he gets on the plane and then by the time he lands, like the process of what the virus has done to his system is just, it's, it's absolutely gr terrifying to read. So, and not to gross, not to gross anyone out. And they're probably sitting there going, why are you guys talking about this? <laughs> Um, it's just because it's, um, I'm honestly, it's, I'm just finding it fascinating. So <laughs> did you, um, did you say a movie was based on the hot zone? Is it, um, is it outbreak they, or is they it... did, um, well, outbreak is loosely based off the book. 
Okay, loosely. Um, okay. Loosely I was meaning. Say it, it sounds loosely, but I wasn't sure. Loosely meaning, it's. They don't necessarily call it Ebola, but they make references that it's very much like Ebola in the movie. Um, the in the movie outbreak, everything gets way more out of control, and uh, yeah. movie uh, Hollywoodified um, <laughs> than the book does. Um, and then, if you really want to, if you really, if you don't want to read it, but you want to check it out, um, National Geographic did a mini series called The Hot Zone. Um, which was handled really, really well. I just liked the book better. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's it, man. Um, that kind of brings us to the end of this. But what do you have for the next episode? Yeah. So um, it's kind of funny. Um, I wanted to go with another year, and uh, I say it's funny because I always pick like really off the wall lists, and it's kind of funny that. Just going with a year is mixing it up, but it kind of does feel that way. <laughs> no, it's it's totally um, fine. I don't mind. Years are cool, dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't think we've done this one yet, so what I wanted to do was go 10 more years in the past from 2010, which we did before, and do uh, movies that came out in the year 2000. Oh, okay. Um, and so this will be the 20-year 20 anniversary, 20 anniversary of all these movies, so... Yeah, um... I'm gonna. I would have to double check our lists. Um, so unless something changes, but I would. Um, I don't think so. I don't think we yeah, did two thousand. Yeah, we we did two thousand three. Yeah. Okay. And I think we did nineteen ninety nine. I really don't think we did two thousand. And if we have to change between epi- each episodes, I guess that'll uh, suck, and we'll have to explain that. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'll um I'll take a look and I'll I'll dig back. It's just a long list to dig back from. So I <laughs> sure. I will do that. I don't. I think we're okay. Um, have you, uh, is there a reason you chose this year just for the 20 year anniversary stuff or were you yeah, looking just, for I like any other reason? the same thing, like do the 20 year thing. I don't know if there's any specific reason other than that. Oh, okay. If you, if you can think of anything and you want to well, go with that. I mean, I haven't, cool. I haven't, I haven't thrown it out yet, but I actually thought about doing, uh, the year I graduated high school just because why not? You know what I mean? Like, um. I was just kind of yeah. I was just kind of saving that for a rainy day, but I didn't know if you had any emotional attachment to that year. That's why I was curious. Um, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could try to BS something, but honestly, I just don't. <laughs> no, right. No true reason. No, it's all good. All right. Well, going another ten years in the past. So. Movies from the year two thousand next week. All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, that kind of brings us to another episode in the can. You ready to call it a night? Yeah. Cool, yeah, man. Um, well, do us a favor. Check us out at our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, uh, along with a link to our email. Uh, you can send us a, if you want to interact with the show, hit us up there at top5report at gmail.com. Um, we are on Google Stitcher, um, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. There you can subscribe to us and um, you can, if you subscribe to us, you won't miss a single episode, but you can also leave us a review Um, We love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be spreading the word that when there is no more room in hell, the dead will stomp the yard. (laughs) That's a a crazy reference. All right, man. All right, dude. Well, uh, have a good night uh, for the Top 5 Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you later. Have a nice. Have a week, guys. Bye.